Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is August 17th. It is 8.57 p.m. I am joined here by my younger brother, Joey. Joey, how are we doing today? Uh, we're doing great. Yeah, I'm happy to hear it. <laughs> uh, as you could tell, Patrick is not on the pod this week. But next week, expect a return. I believe we have figured out a way to get him back on. So I think we're going to be doing some sort of Zoom call. My brother was letting me know just now that Zoom automatically records that. So I think we're going to be able to get Patrick back on the pod next week. As far as today goes, Patrick did send me a little write-up on Arsenal and just some other notes from this past weekend. So I will give some Patrick insight and his takes on the game and overall weekend. And what an opening weekend. Uh, me and my brother were lucky enough to go down to A.J. Hudson's on Saturday. Bright and early, we got there at 6.30, watched the Manchester United-Leeds game. And then from there, we stayed there the whole day and had a really great time. If you guys are in the Chicagoland area... You haven't been to AJ Hudson's. It's a must. I really enjoyed it. Joey, first time really going out. My brother just turned 21 two weeks ago. So, Joey, what was your experience on AJ Hudson's? Uh, I loved it. Uh, good atmosphere, good good food, good drink, and uh, <laughs> great memorabilia all around the walls. It was a, it was a nice soccer bar to uh, attend. Yeah, they had a great area, great food, like my brother said, and then just... A lot of people that you want to be around on a match day. There's tons of jerseys going around. There was even like 25 Brighton fans in the corner going ballistic when they took the 2-1 lead over Burnley. So you really get a little bit of everything. Everyone's there decked out in their team's gear. And it's an overall great vibe and something that you don't really get anywhere else in the city. I've heard the Globe Pub is also pretty pretty good. And I've also been to Fados or Fados. I still forget how to pronounce it. Sorry to my... Irish friends, I don't remember, but I would say out of the two that I've been to, AJ Hudson's is definitely my favorite, and hopefully we could get to the Globe too, but I think I'll be a regular AJ Hudson's for sure. It's a great time. Side note, not a paid promotion for AJ Hudson's. Not a paid promotion. We just really enjoyed it. It'd be pretty cool if AJ Hudson's you know, gave us a little cash, but yeah, it was just a great time, and hopefully we'll catch some of you guys out there, so we'll hop into it. Opening weekend, we started off at Brentford. Brentford's first Premier or first Premier League game, obviously, but first top division game in 74 years. It really was a, a memorable night for them and their fans. I believe one of the fans that was there was 88 years old, and he was actually at the last game that Brentford played in top flight football in England when he was 14 years old. So pretty memorable night for everyone there as... Obviously, we all know they kind of kicked Arsenal's arse a little bit. 2 nothing win. I thought they played really well. Arsenal, for about 15 or 20 minutes in the second half, I felt they were starting to find their groove in the game. And boy, was I wrong. It just never really fully clicked for them. The Brentford fans, that A, let's get to that. The atmosphere of that game was unbelievable. First game back with a full capacity, and we, we felt the effects. You, you could really hear the emotion. I mean, Arsenal kind of, I felt, crumbled a bit. Uh, Brentford came out with a very similar, like, lead style, always pressing, never giving up on plays. And honestly, Arsenal reminded me of a bit of uh, Chelsea under Lampard. A lot, of, a lot of empty possession, just passing the ball around with no really creativity going forward. Yeah, that's been a big talking point since last year, since... We've been covering Arsenal since we started this podcast. Is They've just been lacking the creativity in the midfield. And then 
also just such a young lineup. It's it's always going to be tough, especially now that the fans are back, to go into an atmosphere like that and expect such young players to really find their groove. And I think one of the biggest impacts the fans had on the game was in, in the second half when it was one nothing. Arsenal were starting to possess the ball a little bit better, starting to get the ball a little bit deeper. I think if this was last year and the, the stadium was empty, I think Arsenal might have bagged the goal there. But having the full crowd like that, just at your backs, even when you're playing defense like that, it, it changes the game and makes it tougher on Arsenal. And I think last year, maybe this game goes different. Maybe Arsenal finds a goal to equalize. But I think, as we saw this weekend, I think seven of the ten home teams ended up winning maybe even eight I can't remember the exact amount but it's going to be a lot of fun it's going to make it a lot easier to bet on this past weekend we went 3-0 and on the bets so I was really happy about that but to add on to Joey's point the creativity wasn't there and yeah he hit, hit it right on the spot a lot of empty possessions and it Brentford stifled them Brentford came out with a game plan and executed it and to come out first game like that in 74 years Really memorable night. So I got Patrick's notes. It's kind of long, so I'm literally just going to read Patrick's words. So these are Patrick's words. (laughs) Arsenal clearly have problems, not just with the squad we saw on opening day of the new Premier League season, but from the top down. Everyone has heard me complain about the Cronkies and their ownership and management of the club. They obviously have no interest in investing their own money in the squad, which has led to a clear decline for the club that started at the end of the Wenger area era and has only gotten worse every year since a club that is solely financed by profits from the business is no longer a business model that leads to success it's impossible city spends chelsea spends united spends the list goes on and on the austin villa owners show more ambition to be a top club than stan Kroenke. it's sickening and numbing the management by arteta is another issue i've always been a believer in arteta he knows what it means to wear the shirt and he has the blessing of the best coach of our generation, but he's clearly on thin ice. You have to be successful with whatever load of crap you're given. That's the mark of a great coach. We lack identity, passion, and grit. This has to fall on Arteta. If he can't convince players to play with strength and confidence of an Arsenal player, then maybe he isn't the right man of the job. I haven't given up completely, but this experience with Arteta shows why coaches aren't given time in the Premier League. Lampard club legend was out by January and Chelsea are now champions of Europe. It's now or never for Mikel. As for the squad and transfers, we clearly have numerous holes. While Chelsea buy Lukaku and City buy Grealish to strengthen their attack, we suffer with Aubameyang and Lacazette, whose best days are clearly behind them. Then we sell Joe Willock, an academy product that scored in the last seven games from midfield for Newcastle last year and always played with passion and directness. The only bright spots from our academy are Emil Smith-Rowe, Kieran Tierney, and Bukayo Saka. I like Sambi, Lakonga, and Ben White, but it's not enough to challenge for trophies. Arsenal claims they are worth. So much dead wood in the club that needs to be cleared out, but instead we sell a 21-year-old creative weapon. The state of the club is atrocious, and I can only hope that the loss of Brentford pressures the board to make serious changes. Otherwise, we're in for another long season that leads to, at best, a top 10 finish. It's pretty strong words from Patrick, and I don't have much else to add on. I think he hit the ball on the spot, so I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to throw any more salt in the wounds. Hopefully, we had some news today that the Odegaard deal seems like it's going to be done pretty soon, and I think that's going to be a key signing for them. He played really well for them last year, and 
I think he'd play a huge part of hopeful success. And things do not get easier for Arsenal. They got, I believe, Chelsea and then Manchester City. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I could could be zero and three real quick, and could be real quick for Arteta if he doesn't take at least you know at least get a draw in there. I don't know. I think that's best case scenario is they draw one of those games. So it should be very interesting. And yeah, that that's all the Arsenal talk we got. It was not pretty. And props to Brentford. Patrick did want to shout out to Brentford. They played really well, and he was happy happy for them. You know, at the end of the day. It's a great moment for the club. So we'll move along. We're going the Saturday morning, 6.30. We just get to the bar. No bar seats available. Those people were all lined up. And we got an absolute cracker of a match. We got Leeds, Manchester United. And boy, did Manchester United look good. Oh, yeah. Paul Pogba just absolutely changed. Changed player. We saw it a bit in the Euros. Didn't know if it would carry over to Manchester, but... I mean, he looked phenomenal. Bagged four assists. A beautiful, beautiful, I mean, 50, 60-yard pass to Mason Greenwood for a very nice left-footed finish. I mean, man, you just dominated the game. Yeah, there was it was complete domination. And I think this was a big moment for Ali. He got the fans back in the stands. And I thought it was a different look a little bit as well. I thought they played with direction. The attacking combinations that they were making, it really looked like the team just had a little bit of oomph in them when they were playing up front and into the final third. So I really liked what I saw at Manchester United, and that was a team that I ended up uh, taking a future on to win the Premier League. So a great start to the season for them. And boy, did Paul Pogba look really good, like my brother said. He put in an absolute shift. Four assists in one game is, is no joke. I have him on my... Fantasy Premier League team, and he got me 70 points, so I was pretty happy about that. But unfortunately for me, the guy I was playing this week, so we're not doing the conventional one where you have a transfer budget, 100 mil, anyone could get anyone. We actually did a draft, which is more like the American fantasy football, and the other guy I was playing had Bruno, so pretty unfortunate that he decided to give three of those assists to Bruno. So unfortunate for me, but... Like I said, this attack is no joke, and to be able to go up 5-1 and then bring on Jaden Sancho is like the ultimate, wow, we, we have some depth here. So I thought Mason Greenwood played really good. He's really growing into his own and is someone that can really just play the rest of his career out at Manchester United if he keeps it up at this rate. Someone I think is going to be a regular in the squad, and overall the, the team looked great. I think, uh, I think I really do think Greenwood's going to be not just a regular in the squad, but a star in the Premier League. Uh, the best finisher at Man United can finish with both feet and just has a rocket of a shot. And I mean, he's the number nine that you want. He he's gonna bag goals, and anytime he gets in the box, he's gonna put it in the back of the net. And with creative players like Bruno and Paul Pogba now playing an attacking role. I think we see a lot more of Mason Greenwood this season. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Paul Pogba's kind of resurgence is playing in that attacking role. He's not playing that holding midfielder role. And it's really interesting to see him play up top on the left, playing out wide, getting more space on the ball. So uh, a slight tweak that Ollie's made and not something that was happening with the previous managers. And it's really starting to make its mark as we saw coming into the end of last year Paul Pogba was playing really great so to have that option now back to his superstar potential is 
it's it's going to be a lot to handle for defenses. Bruno bags three. Even Fred bagged the goal, something you don't see very often. So not only that, but they didn't even have Ron in the lineup. They didn't have Sancho in the starting lineup. So it's no Rashford. No Rashford. This team is deep. Leeds is a tough team to play, and they handled it really well. Shout out to Luke Ayling. Unbelievable goal. That, that was absolute cracker. Arguably goal of the weekend, but I, I do have a different goal of the weekend. I'll get to that later. But for Leeds, it's the same issues that bogged them down last year. Too much space left in behind. The center backs leaving too many gaps, and we, we saw them getting picked apart on those through balls. So it's going to be tough. We said it last year that Bielsa has to change his style a little bit, or else, especially now that the stand, the the fans are back and going into those away games against big clubs, it's going to be tough to get points. So they're going to have to clean things up in the back. Pretty much the same squad. They didn't have Calvin Phillips in the lineup. I'm not sure why. Maybe he just needed a little rest before coming into the season. I I don't remember what the reasoning was, but. Yeah, for Leeds, they got to figure it out defensively, or it, it might be a longer campaign than it was last year, where they were, you know, finishing in the top ten in the league. So I, I do think it's going to be different with these fans back. I think it'll be different for them at home as well. Ellen Road hasn't seen a full capacity prem game in over twenty years, so I'm excited to see how that goes at home. But for the road games, it's going to be difficult for them. I think a, a key piece that would make them a lot better is just having a, a big time leader in, in the in the defense. Um, last season we saw a lot of them just turning over possession, a lot of a lot of goals created from nothing that it seemed, but just a bad pass or a, a bad look. Um, so I think a big leader in the back would give them a lot of a lot more confidence. Yeah, so for Manchester United, let's see who they got next week. Joey, do you happen to know off the top of your head? Uh, next week they have Southampton. Yeah, so Southampton, I believe it's yep, it's going to be at Southampton. So uh, Southampton, pretty good squad. They had a good season last year, so it'll be interesting to see them go on the road at Southampton. But I think I think after this performance, they got it. They got all the wheels going, and I think they end up getting the two and zero start to the season. So I really like what they got going for them and. For all you Manchester United fans out there, I know there's a lot of listeners out there. You should be very excited with what you saw this past weekend. And as you know, I'm a big Ali stan. I always have been, even with the stick last year. And I think coming in the, I believe this is season three, now that he has his system, he has the players that he wants in the lineup, I think it's, it's going to be a really exciting season for all you Devils fans. Uh, Joey, you want to start us off with the Chelsea match? Oh, just a beautiful performance against the very, very weak Crystal Palace side. I mean, Chelsea absolutely dominated the game. A beautiful goal for youngster Trevo Chalobo. You saw what it meant to him, dropping to his knees. Uh, A longtime club member. There's pictures of him as uh, maybe an eight- or nine-year-old with Mason Mount. But uh, to get his first Premier League start and then uh, back a a beautiful long strike like that is a, a great feeling. Uh, and then we had a great free kick goal by Marcus Alonso. Um, Leo said that he might have him on his fantasy lineup, and as he, I do, I did. He had seventeen points for me too. So as soon as he walked up to the free kick, I, I, everybody knows Marcus can hit him. It was between him and Willian when we had Willian, but Marcus has bagged countless free kick goals. And I think a stat that they showed was. In the last five years, out of all outside backs, he's got the most goals with 22. So, very impressive for Marcus. Um, 
Only thing for him is the defensive work, as always. But going forward, just an absolute gem of a left foot. Is, is his name Marcus, Joey? Marcus. It's Marcos. Marcus, Marcos. <laughs> Don't really matter. <laughs> hey, sorry, I was giggling over here. I, I kept hearing Joey say Marcus. I was like, is Marcus a new guy? I don't know about him. No, I obviously knew what he was talking about. But, yeah, for Chelsea, we also saw Pulisic score a goal. I'm very happy to see that. He's gonna be. He's not going to be a regular in the squad, as we all know that squad is super deep. But it was great to see him start opening day and then bag a goal. So I'm excited to see his role in this team, and I think it's going to be bigger than people expect. I think uh, if Pulisic is playing, if he bags, you know, around 15 goals this year, this this team is going to be very good. And I think just overall for the league, just seeing how. The opening weekend went out with Manchester United, Liverpool putting in a good performance. I think the top of this league, it's going to be a tight battle. I think no one's going to run away with it. And there's just more talent than I could remember in previous years. Yeah, it'll be nice to see how how Chelsea starts to uh, balance the squad a bit with uh, the addition of Lukaku. Um, But... Yeah, the team just keeps getting better. Oh, yeah, by the way, Lukaku is on the team. So Timo Werner is the same Timo Werner. Um, <laughs> always getting involved. Very. I mean, it's great to see how how his work rates and just how much he creates, how much he gets involved. But thing with him is always just random, you know, mess ups. He he can't seem to put shots on target when you want him to. Um, He's still taking his shots. It's good to see that he still has the confidence, but you just like to see him put a, a few more on frame and not make a, a few of those uh, dumb decisions. He has the confidence to shoot, but he doesn't have the confidence that his shot will go in. I, I think that's the, the big, you know, you can be confident enough that you can, you know, you're not scared to shoot the ball, but I, I don't think his confidence is there with his finishing, if that no, makes I, sense. No, I, I agree. I agree with that. <laughs> So I, I think for him, it's always going to be that if he can get a couple, like if he has a five-game stretch where he scores three or four goals, I think that will be huge for him. Just getting that mindset that, hey, this shot's, you know, I'm going to score. It's not I'm going to shoot it. It's I'm going to score right now. So I think that's the biggest thing for him. Uh, no Thiago Silva in the lineup. They, you know, they Crystal Palace is just dominated. They, they were my pick to go down this year. I just don't think this team's very good and a tough I think Patrick Vieira's coaching yeah uh, he's got a tough task ahead. and we had Nolan Golo Conte Reese James didn't start Christensen in the back I mean no Chilwell and still just absolutely dominated Palace yeah there was, there was no match there so good go, good opening weekend for Chelsea you can't get much better than that and they got Arsenal next week and I think I think we all know who we expect to win the game, but you can never rule it out. It's a big six game. I, is it at Arsenal? Uh, I'm not sure, but you know it doesn't really matter because in the past <laughs> three or four years, Chelsea have have a habit of just playing awful against Arsenal. So I mean, Pat knows that. Every time I see him in the past year, he's uh, had something to say about the Arsenal Chelsea game uh, in his favor, but. Hopefully we get out of our little slump against Arsenal, so uh, it should be a good good week next week. Yeah, I think you're catching Arsenal at, at a great time, so should be interesting. And I I think I think we all know that we're expecting Chelsea to win, but you never know. Like I said, this is the Premier League. This is a big six matchup. 
a lot of history. It's a London derby, so you can't rule Arsenal out. And that game is also at the Emirates, so, so we'll see uh, how the fans impact that one. Uh, we had at, later in that day, Leicester Wolves, you could touch on that real quick, Jamie Vardy. That was a sweet goal. That was my goal of the week. He made it look so easy. If you didn't get a chance to watch the game, if you were too busy watching the Chelsea game, go back and look at Jamie Vardy's goal. Ball gets whipped in. I think he's standing around like the corner of the six. And they just stick his leg out midair and somehow directed it perfectly into the far post. He made it look way easier than that goal actually is. If you... If you've ever played soccer, you know how difficult of a goal that was. So for me, that was my goal of the weekend, just given the technique of the goal and the difficulty of the shot. So great goal for them. They had to hang on. It was not pretty for large parts of that second half, but having those fans at your back, it makes all the difference in the world. And they found a way to grind out an important three points for them and you know that you're exactly where you want. You got those players, same players as last year. You got Pats and Daka, who we touched base on last week. Didn't end up featuring in the squad this week, but I, I like that. You know, James Madison and appears he's going to be sticking around. I think that's the right move for him. I don't know why you would want to go to Arsenal right now. That was the biggest rumor was that James Madison's going to Arsenal all summer. I why would you want to go to Arsenal right now? What Leicester is the better team. They have been the past couple of years. They've been playing in Europe, so I, I don't know why he would want to do that, but it seems like those rumors are now dead, at least for the moment, and uh, I hope he sticks around for a while. I also had to point out a lot of tattoos all of a sudden. Did Big you know sleeve. All these? Big sleeve. He must have gotten a bunch of uh, artwork done, because I, I did not realize he was this tatted up, or maybe I'm just blind, but all of a sudden he's got a lot of tattoos. Had to point that out real quick. Uh, credit to Wolves in that game. A lot of a lot of chances created, just not a lot of finishing. Uh, I mean, we saw Adama Traore is still the same Adama Traore, just bullying <laughs> people left and right. He knocked. He probably knocked like three people over just because of how large he is. But it's the same story for him as well. All physical, beats tons of players with his speed, and then the finishing is just not there. He hits shots directly at the keeper and hits shots off target. So. If I'm the the Wolves' uh, practice coach, I'm throwing him in finishing session after finishing session. Yeah, tough for Traore. He had a couple of great opportunities and just wasn't able to bag him. So hopefully he could get that figured out. It was great to see Raul Jimenez back on the pitch. As we all know, a brutal injury last year. So always refreshing to see that he's back out there. And hopefully he returns to his old goal-scoring form. So very happy for him to be out, back out there. And if you're... A Foxes fan, very happy with the three points. And I, I think this team's going to be challenging for top four again. We'll see if Brendan Rodgers can hang on this time. They got a tough matchup next week against West Ham, who's very strong side last year. It's going to be a very strong side again this year, as we saw at the 4-2 victory. But we'll get to them towards the end here. Real quick, want to touch on the Everton game. Decore, sick goal. Everton grind out. They were down one nothing for a while in that match. Carlson equals it up. And then Decore with the game-winning goal. I mean, that was unbelievable to have that composure in a tight space and then pick out that top right corner. It was a fantastic goal. Calvert-Lewin gets a goal on the diving header. So for Everton, that was big. You're, you're playing at home at Goodison, and it was a great way to get back. And I think 
I think Rafa is going to be the right man for the job. I think we saw in that Everton game they were being more expansive. They weren't trying to pass the ball around as much. And I think as far as it goes for the Everton fans, I think that's going to be what they want a little bit. I think it was Gary Neville. I Don't quote me on it. I can't, I, I can't remember who was talking about it, but he believes... I, I think it was Gary Neville was talking about it, that he believes Rafa is going to play a little more of a style that the fans are going to enjoy. Not going to be as boring with the passing because they're just not that level of team where you could pass the ball around and pass the team to death. So I think for Everton fans, you should be excited for Rafa. He's a proven winner. He won the Champions League with Liverpool in 2005. He's coached at many big clubs before, and I think you're going to get a lot of you know exciting football, a little bit more than what we saw last year, especially towards the second half of the season. So I'm excited for Everton. I'm excited for Rafa. I'll always be a Rafa guy and. Yeah, it's a great way to welcome back the fans at Goodison. So, and uh, Southampton have a very, very tough start to the season. So, not a not a good good omen to to lose the opening game three one. But next match they have Man U, Newcastle, West Ham, City, Wolves, Chelsea. So, not a very good looking schedule for the first part of the season. Yeah, as far as Everton goes, they got leads. They just got smoked. It's gonna be at. Ellen Road, so I'm excited to see what that matchup is all about. It's going to be a tough place to play. Big bounce back game for Leeds after getting completely dominated by Manchester United. And then they got Brighton, who just came off a big 2-1 victory. So, uh, winnable games for sure, but not easy games. So, uh, we'll see how these guys can, you know, come back after that big performance. And I think this Everton team hopefully takes another step in the right direction. As we saw last year, they kind of grew a little bit. Largely the same team as last year. So I think they're going to have another successful campaign. Uh, I would agree. <laughs> uh, big game from West Ham. Bagging goals left and right. Newcastle had a, a positive game. Alan St. Maximine looked just brilliant on the ball. Um, but at times it looked like he was trying to do a lot himself. Um, but West Ham just bagging the goals. Mikel Antonio looking strong, and overall the squad just looked uh, looked looked good. Yeah, I'm very excited for West Ham's season this year. Thomas Schuchek has got to be one of the best midfielders in the league right now. He played absolutely amazing last year and gets another goal. He's I think he scored ten goals as a midfielder last year. So. He's a guy that knows how to bag some, and he gets another critical goal for them. Uh, ends up being the game-winning goal for them. So great to see that he's picking up where he left off. Ben Rama, another good game, another strong player for this West Ham team. And if you're a fan like our, our good friend Miles, you should be excited with the way this opening weekend went for them because they found themselves down, and they were able to grind back and ultimately end up winning the game 4-2 pretty comfortably comfortably they end up winning the game comfortably oh my god i did the game <laughs> anyway yeah they went 4-2 it was 4-2 by the 66 minutes so they they ended up cleaning up shop and they get a big three points at newcastle which is always going to be a tough play to place to play uh we gotta hop into liverpool i'm sure joey's not super excited to talk <laughs> about liverpool but i am right i thought they played fantastic mohammed salah's Per usual, world-class. I have no complaints for him. And as far as everyone else goes, good to see Firmino get a, kind of a sitter. But it's always good to see him bag a goal and get his campaign off started on the right foot. 
And just as far as everyone else goes, Diego Jota, kind of a scrappy goal. I'm just, I was very happy with the performance. Mo's instincts to surround the 18 are unbelievable. Some of the goals, if you watch him score his goals, some of them are just like shots that just, he's standing with the ball directly at his feet and he'll, he'll just randomly decide to shoot the ball and it goes in. And those are things you can't teach. A lot of people, when the ball gets stuck at their feet like that, they want to take that extra touch, but he has the confidence to shoot it. Every every time he's got the ball around the box, it seems like he's got a chance to score. And a lot of one one touch goals, he doesn't take a touch. So just the instincts around the box, I think, are something that goes unnoticed with him. Uh, yeah, and uh, for the past five years now, uh, every opening game he has scored. So yeah, he broke a record. Uh, he's now uh, the the record holder for scoring on five opening days in a row. He just loves to show that Liverpool are no joke every year. So, <laughs> A pretty exciting game. I ended up... Norwich had a couple opportunities. Alisson with a big save at the end. to keep the shutout is a great save. And overall for the team, we saw Virgil back in the lineup. And just an interesting lineup itself. Kanate didn't get the start. We started Matip. And no, no Gomez in the lineup as well. Obviously, Matip played. Kostasimikas, I thought he played pretty well offensively. Defensively, he looked a little shaky at times. I think he got, I think he fell over at one point. <laughs> I think he got megged as well. Uh, but overall, I thought for him, this was a good opening game to come out against Norwich, a team that we expect to beat. So hopefully he finds his groove a little bit. But offensively, I thought he was whipping in balls pretty well and getting up forward. So pretty strong performance for him in his first matchup. And then we the the old Iron Man Nilly. He starts. Alex Oxley Chamberlain starts. Maybe Keita starts. A very interesting midfield. Obviously, no Thiago, no Jordan Henderson to feature in this game. So no Fabinho. Fabinho either. ends up uh, subbing on. So to be able to come out and win three nothing with those three as your center midfielders is a true testament to the team. And as far as Firmino goes, Firmino didn't even start the game and he managed to score. So I'm very happy for him. I'm very happy with the way the team played. A couple of Norwich opportunities, a couple five, ten minute stretches where I thought Norwich might get one, but the defense held on and, you know, we just poured it on. So I was very happy with the performance and I don't have much else to say. I think we got some favors with this. Uh, we got Burnley next week and then a big matchup with Chelsea. So hopefully we can get to 2-0 before that Chelsea game. It's going to be at Anfield, which is a big boost, especially this early in the season. So... I'm very happy with the team performance, and I, I don't have much else to add on to that. Joe, you have any comments or concerns with the way we played? Uh, not necessarily. I, I think, uh, just a side note, Norwich, um, I think it's going to be a tough place to play at Carroll Road. I, I mean, just listening to the fans on opening day, um, so loud. And uh, they have the piece, a few pieces. They have Timu Puki, uh, who, I mean, came onto the scene a few years ago. Nobody really knew about him and just bad goals left and right. Todd Cantwell is not a, a, a bad player. And then they have uh, Billy Gilmore on loan. So going into Norwich, a team that's newly promoted, uh, especially with a small, packed stadium, I think uh, for, for the games against the lower-level teams in the Prem, I think uh, it'll be tough for them to get points at Norwich. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think it just goes for all of these smaller clubs now that the fans are back. And that's one of the reasons why that Sheffield United squad two years ago was so strong was because 
They made that place a fortress. Hardly any teams could score on them. So I think a big key for these smaller teams is to shore up that defense and, you know, get those goals as you can, like we saw with that Brentford game, who had also, I guess they didn't play too much defense. I think Brentford might have outpossessed Arsenal in that game. I think it was a lot closer than people would imagine. If you go back and look look at the match, that's... Uh, it's uh, 64-35 Arsenal. Okay, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't know what I'm smoking. There were stretches where it felt like Brentford were dominating, but for the most part, like I said, Arsenal just with empty possession. So hey, sorry about that. <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking. About. Anyway, we go along the Sunday, and wow, what a big three points for Spurs. Oh, Hyungman's son, still the same Hyungman's son, just a, a, an electric goal. No Harry Kane, no problem. He, you know, Harry Kane assisted on so many of those goals, and I think this. This might say, hey, Manchester City, we need a striker. They come out, they play kind of that false nine with Ferran Torres. But I think, as we've seen over the past few years with the Aguero injuries and not having that true number nine, Gabriel Jesus, I don't think is going to be the guy for the job. I think this might force Manchester City to go by Tottenham's best player. I think it might force their hand. I think... Even for their Champions League success, obviously they went to the final this past season, but I think if they want to get over that hump, they're going to need a guy that they consistently can count on to not only score goals, but hold up play and just hang out towards the top and not have to drop back in that false nine role. So I think that's a big weakness for them coming into this season, but the rest of the squad, you know, unbelievable squad, unbelievable depth, but... It's that one position that's just lacking for them. If they want to get over the hump in Europe, I think they're going to have to, whether it's Kane or not, obviously they got Grealish, but I think that position they need the most is a true number nine. Yeah, I would agree. I feel I feel a little bad for Gabby Jesus uh, as he's their uh, quote-unquote starting number nine, but he's still their backup number nine. So, I mean... It's tough to see that, but uh, I think, again, here we just see how much the fans play into the game. Tottenham just looked electric uh, on the counter, as they always do. So, uh, big game for Nuno. And, um, I mean, they have a similar style to, to Mourinho with the counterattacks, but, I mean... I thought they just looked more lively on the counterattacks. I, I thought I it was agree. a lot quicker, a lot sharper decision-making. And for Manchester City, I thought... They had a couple of decent opportunities, but I also felt a little bit like those uh, empty possessions where Joy was brought up at the Arsenal games. I thought there was just moments of the game where they were just kind of passing the ball around them or finding it difficult to break down a Tottenham defense that I thought coming into the match was going to be a little bit weak. They had Eric Dyer and Davison Sanchez in the back there. So uh, as far as Tottenham goes, exactly how you want to start the campaign against the defending champions at home, and like Joey said, the fans played a huge role in that game. It was undeniable to be able to come in and play a big six game at home like that. It's just such a big boost and something that we haven't had in over a year. So going forward into this upcoming season, it's going to be tough for any big six team to actually come away with three points. It's going to be grinders. I think a lot. we might see a lot of draws with the big six. I think teams are going to play for more draws, especially just given the fans. It's going to be tough, so you know, I'm excited for it. We're, we're talking a lot about the fans, and it it may seem redundant, but it's just so important this season. And 
I mean, it, it, you can just see the impact it has on games, and it it's honestly more exciting. I was gonna say it's exciting as a fan to see that the fans are back, and it just adds a whole other element to the games. So, other than that, as far as the Tottenham lineup goes in the future, I think it's still not quite theirs as far as the rest of these big teams, and I think they're gonna have a difficult time qualifying for the top four, but. Who knows? You never know. Nuno's a new man in charge. Huming Hassan is still Huming Hassan. Uh, Lucas Mora, for whatever age he is these days, I don't know anymore. But he's still quick as can be, still sharp as can be. So for this Tottenham team, it's a big morale boost to come over with three points against the defending champions. And I'm excited to see what they can do this year. But like I said, I just I don't know if they have that oomph. I don't think they have that deep of a squad as far as these other big teams go to possibly qualify for top four. Yeah, we'll see when it gets into, you know, into the thick of the season when there's games left and right, um, how, how their depth is uh, displayed because they are lacking. They got a kind of a busy schedule coming up because they have to play a playoff round to get into the Europa League, so they got a game Thursday, game Sunday, game Thursday, game Sunday. So we will a see the jam-packed schedule coming up, and these games against Ferreira, who I, I don't know who you are. I wish you the best, but these are big games for Tottenham. You, you need European football for the fans. You need European football to attract new transfers. So it, these are big two weeks for them, and uh, they got Wolves as well. So not an easy game coming up next Sunday at Wolves. So. A jam-packed schedule, and it's going to be a test for Nuno to see how he could do it, especially against his own club, at his own club. So, uh, yeah, as far as Manchester City goes, they'll be fine. Tough first game to come out against Tottenham at Tottenham, but they'll be fine. And like I said, the the big key for them is finding out who's going to be their not only short-term but long-term number nine. That's the biggest position for them. No Kevin De Bruyne this fast game either, so I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. We, we had this talk last year. I, I thought, oh, maybe maybe this is the year City kind of fall off a little bit and then they end up going on a, the longest winning streak in Premier League history and won the league pretty handedly. So I'm not worried about them at all. And I think it'll be interesting as we got, what do we got, 13 days left until the transfer deadline. So it's going to be a, a key part of their season already coming up. So. Uh, I would add that I really do think that they should have prioritized the signing of Kane over the signing of Grealish. Um, in terms of depth at the winger position, I mean, they have so much. And to add Grealish to that, um, he may play an attacking mid role, but uh, even in attacking mid, they have so much depth. So I, I really think they should have um, prioritized Kane. Uh, we don't really know if they would have gotten him, but I think they should have tried to advance the talks a little bit more before spending $120 million on a uh, essentially a hype player. But I can't deny the quality of Grealish, but um, he's not as proven as Harry Kane is, and again, a position that they lack more. I think this might even drive the price up a little bit too. Spending that much money on Grealish, if I'm if I'm the the board of directors at Tottenham and I see them dropping that much money on Grealish, what does that say about Kane? I, that's got to bolster the value even more. If if Grealish is getting that, I think that was the rumored price tag for Kane was the same rumored price tag for Grealish. So I think that price tag goes up even more, and I think it's 
just an interesting signing. I, I don't think Grealish was necessary for the team. Obviously, you know, you like to have a guy like Grealish in the team, but I think the more necessary player, like Joey said, was Kane. So just an interesting decision from their board, and especially now that they lose on opening match day and the clear struggle was playing that false nine without a true number nine. And it's just an interesting decision, and we'll, we'll see what, what they do in these last two weeks. Uh, yeah, um, I think the only game that we haven't covered was uh, Watford-Aston Villa. Yeah, we, we, we could touch around the league real quick. Watford-Aston Villa, Watford win 3-2. And then Brighton, I think we brought up earlier, they come back from behind, win 2-1. Shout out our, our boy, Neil Maupay. Uh I hate the guy, <laughs> but he bagged the game, or he bagged the tying goal. He... Somehow scores, and then sometimes, you know, you look at Neil Malpain, you're like, what, what are you doing, mate? But he scored. Good for them. Big win for Watford. Uh, Joey, do you remember anything from this Watford game? Uh, Ishmael Assar, young guy, young winger. Um, looked pretty good, as well as, um, I'm sorry, what the, the striker's name? Kucho? Mm. Or Emmanuel Dennis? Dennis. Dennis looked uh, looked to be like he was having a, a decent run as well. Um, so disappointing for Aston Villa, but tough when you when you lose a player like Grealish, who was essentially the the big face of the club. But we'll see if Leon Bailey got his uh, debut, so we'll see if he can uh, have a good run of form this season. Also, since when is Danny Ings on Aston Villa? Did I, like, miss something this summer? Or is that, like, the most under-the-radar transfer of all time? I, I think I missed that <laughs> as well. I don't know if anyone noticed this, but I was wa- I watched, like, bits and pieces of the game on the other TV while we were at AJ Hudson's, and I looked over, I was like, is that Danny Ings in the Austin Villa <laughs> jersey? So, I, I, yeah, I guess I guess he made the, the, the most silent transfer of all time, and he's, I guess he's their striker now. Uh, but yeah, big win for Watford at home. We saw two of the three newcomers win, so it, it's really awesome to see. And like we said, and we'll keep saying it, the fans just have that impact on the game. So congrats to them. Uh, we're coming to the end here. We're going to do best goal, best assist, and then a little fantasy Premier League talk. Joey, we'll start with you. Best goal, best assist. Uh, goal of the week I give to Luke Ayling. Uh, although Leeds got thrashed, I mean, just a beautiful strike outside the box. Luke Ayling puts it in the side netting. Um, and then assist of the week, it's tough to say between Pogba's assist to Greenwood, but I'm, I'm going to give it to Victor Lindelof on a beautiful pass to Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, Victor Lindelof, who we always give stick for, played an unbelievable ball, and that was a great, uh, great pass. And then... Luke Ayling, obviously a great goal, but like I said earlier, I'm going with Jamie Vardy for my goal of the week, just given the level of difficulty on a, a cross like that and where he put the ball, and keeper had no chance, so I'm going to give it to Jamie, just a guy that does his thing. It doesn't look like he'd be the conventional guy to do his thing, but he always does his thing, so props to him. Quick shout-out to DeCorey. We shouted him out while we were talking about that Everton game. He scored a sweet goal, but... Unfortunately for him, there were some better goals this weekend. So, uh, And then my assist of the week is going to be the other assist that Joey just brought up. It's going to be the Paul Pogba assist. Just unbelievable pass. Perfectly weighted. Perfectly in stride for Mason Greenwood, who eventually scores. So it's my assist of the week. 
As far as Fantasy Premier League goes, Joey, you, you irons anyone. My brother also does Fantasy Premier League, but he does it a little bit different. He does the conventional transfer budget, so he could change players in and out. Joey, you eyeing anyone that you might want to put in? I think I may add Mikel Antonio. He <laughs> just finds a way to bag goals, and uh, who knows if that form will continue. It's hard to say with him, but, I mean, every year he has a habit of just Picking out a few goals, he, he's consistent. So uh, I'm eyeing Mikel Antonio. I think that's a good call for me. Uh, if I was playing the conventional way, Sergi Canios, the guy who scored the first goal for Brentford, he's got a pretty nice matchup coming up against Crystal Palace. So if you're looking for that real value there, I think he's got a good chance to bag another goal. So I think that's the guy who I would be eyeing. And then uh, I think I might have to go with Banford as well. Big bounce back game at Allen Road. You know he's going to be in the starting lineup. So for him, I think it's a big game for him, a big game for Leeds to get back on track. So I think if you're eyeing someone like in that range, I think Bamford wouldn't be the the worst option. So he's going to be my guy. All right. I think uh, final segment of the show, I'd say I'm going to give you the list of the matches for uh, match day two, and you give me your score prediction. All right. Liverpool-Burnley. 2-0 2-0 Liverpool. All right. Ast- Tell me who's home and away, too. Liverpool are home in that one. 2-0, maybe 3-0. Aston Villa at home versus Newcastle. Uh, I'm going 1-1 in that game. Crystal Palace at home versus Brentford. I'm going Brentford. I think Crystal Palace are awful this year. I picked them to go down. And I think this is a huge game for Brentford. If you can come out on the season, start 2-0... Give you a little extra relief. Those points come a long way in this daunting long season. And these might be games that you look back on that could have a big impact on if you stay up or not. So even though it's at Palace, I think Palace are just brutal this year. I think Brentford's got the mojo. I go Brentford. Okay. Leeds at home versus Everton. Uh, This one's tricky for me. Uh, I lean Everton. I think Everton are the better team. I'm going to get the... The benefit of the doubt to Leeds, I think they win at home. I'm going to go 2-1. Manchester City at home versus Norwich. <laughs> I think Norwich gets a goal somehow, some way, But I think it's going to be 4-1 Manchester City. Safe bet, I think. Uh, Brighton at home versus Watford. I'm going Brighton at home. Brighton, so unlucky last year. They had this crazy stat about potential goals that they could have had and just like unluckiness so I'm going Brighton they they got a big bounce back game or no they, what am I talking about they won 2-1 they got the mojo going now they're going at home I'm taking Brighton I'm going one nothing. great game uh we got another good game first game of Sunday uh Wolves at home versus Tottenham I'm going Wolves 2-0 Ooh, sorry Spurs I just I don't think you guys are that good this does year. That, does that change if Harry Kane plays? Yes, but I don't think Harry Kane plays. I think Harry Kane sits on the bench until the 30th, and if no transfer deal gets done, then he'll be back in the lineup. But I don't know why they would play him right now. Everyone knows the value of him. Okay, fair enough. Southampton at home versus Manchester United. Manchester United, 3-1. I think Southampton might bag one. You know what? I take that back. Rafael Varane's in the lineup. I'm going 3-0 Manchester United. I think they come out hot. I think they bagged two in the first half, and I think they they steamroll. 
All right, and then the last game of Sunday at 10.30, Arsenal at the Emirates versus Chelsea. I don't care where it's at, Chelsea 2-0. I love that, love that. And then the last game of match day two on Monday at 2 p.m., West Ham at home versus Leicester. Tricky game. I'm going I'm going with a draw. I think we get a, a 1-1 draw. Both teams strong. I'm just not sure who has the edge right now, so I'm going to go draw. Uh, so that wraps up the, re- the the predictions. If you didn't follow our bets this past weekend, we ended up going 3-0. and So a strong start to the betting season. We'll have more bets out this weekend. As always, please follow us at On The Pitch Pod on Twitter. Joey, thank you for joining us. I know it's so late, 9.45. It's past your bedtime, so I'm sure he wants to get upstairs. But, yeah, like I said, follow us on Twitter. Follow us for the bets. Hopefully we can continue on this strong season. And, I'm excited for another weekend, so thank you all for listening, and we will catch you all next week.